Welcome to episode 12 of Automatic. And as we always do each Wednesday, we publish a new episode talking college basketball on the men's and women's side. And we're actually recording here on Tuesday, February 22nd of 2022. And Steffi, we actually should have recorded this at 2.22 p.m. And we could have thrown everybody for a loop with all of the number twos there. (laughs) And I also think throwing everybody for a loop is what we saw in college basketball this weekend. I thought it was going to be a situation where we were going to be talking about your Florida Gators, the upset over Auburn on the men's side. And then were they going to be able to do the same thing on the women's side with almost getting the victory at LSU against Kim Mulder? And then obviously the big news in terms of women's basketball with South Carolina taking on Tennessee in Columbia. College game day was going to be there for the very first time. broadcast on ABC. So all types of excitement. And then all of a sudden hell breaks loose as we see Juwan Howard going blows with Wisconsin head coach Greg Gard and just an upheaval of how everything just changed quickly. And now that's obviously the talk of college basketball right now. So, Steffi, I have to hear from you. Tell me your initial thoughts as all of this chaos was going down. OK, I'll tell you, I was in studio in Charlotte uh, for SEC Network. Me and uh, Peter Burns, we were covering all of the hoops uh, throughout the day. And he goes, Steph, uh, Juwan Howard just smacked the shit out of someone. I said, what? <laughs> you know? And so I had to look it up and I looked at it and I was like a little bit speechless. Um, I want to hear, I, I want to, I want to hear your takeaway first. Cause I mean, I have, I have things that I want to share. And then I also have a couple quotes that I want to bring into the conversation. So I'm going to, so let's, I know you want to hear my, that's where I was. That's what he told me. I looked it up. But then you go. All right. Well, I definitely want to hear your thoughts. And I know it's not going to be a situation where you're going to form your opinion off of my opinion. Because I know Steffi Sorensen has her opinion. Now, my initial thoughts just was that what a complete debacle. And then as you watch it even more, I get even more frustrated and embarrassed for Jawan Howard that he let himself get so amped up, ramped up, whatever it is, just so frustrated with the situation that he lets his emotions get the best of him. And this is not the first time that we've seen this from Jawan Howard. And I think that's one of the biggest things also is that this seems to be a little bit of a pattern that he has a situation where he loses his temper pretty quickly. Obviously, I'm talking about last year in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, they're going after head coach Mark Churgeon at uh, Maryland. And so is there some type of scenario where this is a pattern for Jawan Howard? And I just think it was so much testosterone, so much machismo that was going on that you're talking about, oh, don't touch me, don't touch me. And I don't think that Greg Gard was doing anything inappropriate in terms of putting his hands on Juwan Howard because he was almost trying to stop him to explain because I think there was a scenario where Greg Gard was trying to explain that I was calling a timeout and this is the reason why. And remember, Juwan Howard, he was in a situation where they were still pressing at the end of the game. So Greg Gard is still going to be coaching as well. And that's what I think he was trying to explain to Juwan Howard that yeah. it was not anything that was so intentional, egregious that he was, you know, trying to upstage Michigan and Juwan Howard there at the end of the game just because they had a 15-point lead. But I just think Juwan Howard just handled it so poorly. And then to lose his cool and just again, just to have that 
that type of attitude that you, you can't even have a conversation without you're having to grab somebody. And Juwan Howard was aggressive because I don't think Greg Gard was aggressive. It seemed like he was just trying to slow him down to figure out why or explain after Juwan Howard says to Greg Gard that, you know, I'm going to remember this shit talking about the timeout. And so I think it's very appropriate that you're like, well, wait a second. Hold on. Let me try to understand why you're so mad and let's talk about this. Don't walk away and put his hand on Juwan Howard's arm to kind of slow him down. So I didn't think it was a big deal what Greg Gard did, but what ensued obviously was a big deal for college basketball. And now we know that uh, suspensions have come down. Juwan Howard's going to be out for the rest of the season with a $40,000 fine and Greg Gard's going to be fined at $10,000. So at the end of the day, I mean, it was just a complete debacle. Well said. I'm going to ask you a few questions. Just hit me with like yes or no's. Okay. Sounds good. Did Coach Gard start that? That could be a tough one with a yes or no, but my initial reaction would be no, he did not in terms of by calling a timeout. Now, can you say Yes, he did because he put his hand on Jawan Howard, but I didn't think it was any type of putting his hand on Jawan Howard in an aggressive manner that would lead to thinking that you're trying to start a fight with me by putting your hands on me. Did you have you thought or considered that Jawan Howard should be fired before that game? No, I have not. Okay, so that's kind of what I wanted to know before I start on my soliloquy. Oh, big word Stephen right a. there. So, let's let's think about why this originated. Michigan, 14 and 11, picked to win the Big Ten. Win. They're sitting at eighth. Okay. They are one of the most under they have underperformed, you could say, by any other team in the country. So when you watch Dewan Howard, I watched the I watched the line. I, I don't even pay attention to the pressing. That's bullshit. Like that's whatever. You don't slap someone because someone pressed or, you know, you, you let that go. It's part of the game. You see players dunking, you know, as the buzzer goes off, the coach doesn't go over and punch another coach. Right. So it looked to me like coach guard tried to stop Juwan Howard and looked to me like Juwan Howard kind of pushed or like kind of made a gesture towards him back. He initiated that aggressiveness from the start, I thought he didn't start it. So let's drop that BS from the start. He didn't start it. It was a simple action, I thought, that I see every day when I'm covering games of coaches grabbing a coach, saying, hey, you know, like it, it doesn't lead to confrontation. You see it all the time. So I didn't really buy the whole like coach, you know, well, Greg Gard started it. No, he was just trying to talk to John Howard. Juwan Howard then kind of makes that gesture, and then obviously it escalates. This thing stems from, honestly, they're having a terrible year. That is so true. I and couldn't he's just agree pissed. more. That fight, that that slap is an indication of how shitty their year has gone. And it's <laughs> yes. nothing really more than that. He was obviously frustrated. I mean, they've, they've not had a good year. And, you know, there was a lot of expectations on Juwan Howard in general and then on Michigan based on the media poll, right, to win the Big Ten. So, you know, I didn't I didn't think he should lose his job. Um, that was another there was like two arguments. Well, guard started it, blah, blah, blah. And then Juwan Howard, he should be fired for the, I don't think he should be fired. I mean, I thought the suspension was dead on. I thought it was appropriate. 
So um, that was kind of my takeaway from watching it. Uh, I, I definitely looked terrible on both people, on both teams, the escalation afterward. But I, I wanted to read you, Rich, some quotes from Tom Izzo that I thought were hilarious. Um, but he said when he was watching on the big screen, said, when I watched it on a big screen, I saw people swinging. I saw the fans right behind them. It reminded me of the malice in the palace, and it bothered me. But what instigated it, I don't know that whole thing. I feel bad for Juan. I feel bad for Guard. I feel bad for all of them that are involved in it because nothing good comes of it. Okay? He then goes on to say, but unlike a lot of people in the world, I'm not going to comment on something I don't know about, which is pretty, un- which is pretty common nowadays. So he says that, and then he says... I'm not going to comment, but you already commented and you said it looked like the malice. So what? the? (laughs) Yes, he already did. (laughs) Coach Izzo, God, (laughs) I'm reading this and I'm like, you already gave me like a full page of your of your comments. But thank you for not commenting on this situation. So that being said, did you think that it had similarities to um, the the brawl that took out the the Detroit fight, Malice in the Palace? No, I did not. Yes, I definitely not any type of similarities to Malice in the Palace. I mean, that was a situation where it was completely out of control. There was no type of security around or very limited. And you didn't have any type of situation where fans were even remotely involved. And I think they were pretty quick to get everything settled down. And I think that was you know, a, a big part of it as well is that once the punches were being thrown and players throwing punches as well, because they're mimicking what they see with their head coach, Juwan Howard, he's throwing the punch and then you're going to start protecting your teammates and everybody else. And, I, but malice in the palace, no way, not, not even close. Okay. So, so we got your side, we got my side. Um, you know, they're just have they're having a rough year. I think that he used guard as an outlet, literally. Uh, to take out that frustration, it, 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 that was pretty plain from watching it. It looked horrible. He did have no remorse. I didn't really expect him to have remorse. Do you? I mean, did you? I mean, it's Juwan Howard. Did yeah. Well, you know what? In all truthfulness, I thought he would have a little bit of remorse. Really? And I know it's right after the whole situation, and you're still again amped up, motions running high from that standpoint. But I thought there was a little bit of a cooling off period before you had an after game press conference. And it didn't seem like Jawan Howard was really cooled off or at least not enough to have a situation where he was actually going to be remorseful. And again, maybe he didn't even think that he had done anything wrong, that he was in the right and again, just didn't have enough time to really think through that whole situation. But I was really surprised, to be honest with you, that he didn't have a little bit more remorse in terms of trying to explain what was going on and just understanding the magnitude, but maybe he didn't. Well, I think he, you know, maybe not right after the game because he's still pissed. So take a day and he's probably going to, I think the biggest thing for me is the accountability, not only as a leader of men, but as the face and the coach and people that really look to him, right? Yes. To 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 literally not really care what he did. I would have expected him today to hold a press conference and, and this might have taken place unbeknownst to me and just faced it. I I screwed up. There's not a lot of there's really not a lot of that in 
and media in general across the board. Let's go down the list. Politicians, musicians, uh, coaches, <laughs> you name it. There's no accountability ever. So I, you know, that's why none of it really surprises me. There's the statement. You don't, I don't read it because it's, it's never, it's all concocted, all that. But, you know, do we do away with shaking hands? And I can't think of a worse response because let me tell you, Rich, there's differences on the women's side and men's side this year. The men shake hands. The women do not shake hands. I don't know if it's because of COVID, because on the men's side, men referees don't wear a mask. Female referees on the women's side, they wear masks. So none of it makes sense at all because it's all the same game, but we've got different rules. So when the women win, they don't go through the line and shake hands. Sometimes the coaches do. I hate it because I look forward to the handshake at the end of the game. I look forward to players shaking hands. I'm not looking for scrums if they're there. Hey, cool. If not, not like, not like, let me be, let me be very clear. You know, a Jawan Howard, a Jawan Howard is a different ordeal. I'm saying, you know, players, you know, players showing love or there's a moment. You know, I get a lot of stuff before I interview coaches or players from that handshake line. Someone says something, a player, you know, I draw a lot from those. We haven't had that in the women's game, but I obviously men shake hands. So I've seen it. Argue probably most coaches and players are excited to have it back. You win, and then you just walk off the court. There's no camaraderie at all. It's stupid. <laughs> I said it. It's stupid. Yeah, I agree with you. It's stupid. I mean, this is a situation where you you can't be canceling these type of things. This is all about teaching moments. And isn't this the best way to teach sportsmanship is that you've got to be able to understand that you can go out there and bust your ass and give it all and compete at the highest level and give everything that you've got. But then when it's all said and done, that you respect your opponent enough that you can shake their hand and say, good job, win, lose, or draw. And I think that's one of the things that you have to be able to take away from all of this is that it is very important that we have the handshake line, not do away with it. We need to have it more so we can continue to practice and model sportsmanship. And that's the only way you can do that is actually by doing it. You have to be active and do these type of things to learn. We don't obviously know what uh, Jawan Howard said to his players, maybe there was, you know, we, we don't necessarily know that, right? He didn't face the media. That's a fair point. And man up. Maybe he did to his team. I, I hope he did, you know, as someone who's leading young men and trying to, you know, make a difference, a positive impact. You look at that image that lasts a lifetime. That's not an image he wants associated with his name. So disappointed. I'm not surprised at all. Um, you know, we're in the me society. It's no accountability ever. Um, I will say, like, just to switch gears to focus on the women's game, um, Kelly Harper, you know, her team is just, they've been so screwed by injuries. Oh, just horrible She's injuries. got game day there. They're ABC, all light, and, you know, and she did every, you know, they went out there and they fought. It, it wasn't a particularly great game, but it wasn't a blowout. But she answered every question, pre, post, during, you know, she did everything. And she knew, like, all eyes are on her. Every, everyone's eyes are always on Tennessee, right? It's just, you can't help it. It's Tennessee. And, and I, I respect her for that instead of just bowing out. I don't want to do this. And I don't want to do, you know, we do a lot of that. 
I don't want to do this interview because it's going to be uncomfortable because uh, you're missing your best player. So how the hell do you have a chance? She, she answered those questions and she always, you know, she always does. So I respect her for that. But, um, you know, obviously it was pretty cool to have game day at a women's game and just an environment. Um, I don't know if you saw. Oh, you had Gamecocks dunking out there. I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. It was electric. Place was jam packed. And that's just typical for South Carolina. So I, I think it was a great opportunity to showcase women's college basketball. It's a better, it was a better dunk than I saw during the NBA uh, dunk contest, which was atrocious. I mean, it was the worst dunk contest I've ever seen. And I said it, I was ripping them during studio um, every chance I could get because it was just Reggie Miller was, I don't know if you saw it, but, <laughs> you know, he was dogging them. He's like, we need to make the three point you know, contest or marquee game or the marquee thing because the three or the dunk contest, I don't know what it is. People don't want to do it or, or what they, I think what's happened is we've got to wait so far away from simplicity and like difficulty. Like we're trying to be cute, cute seas and we're, and we're wearing uh, different shoes and that's cool. It was, I'm sure it was hard to dunk in Tim's, but you know, look at who they were dunking for and you're like, okay, like, let's just get a dunk. Like, that's the best we could do? Yeah, and just make the dunks. You don't have to be in a situation where it's going to take you seven times to make a dunk. It's absolutely <laughs> Less insane. Less than 10 minutes. <laughs> Those poor fans are just like, we'll take a 360, which they can all do, but it's like they don't they don't want to do that. Exactly, uh, that's right. So I do believe they're trying too hard at times, but now you mentioned the three-point shot. So is there any doubt that Steph Curry is the greatest shooter we've ever seen. Ooh, I, I, I mean, who would you put in the conversation? You got Reggie, Ray Al. I mean, pure, pure, just like pure shooters, Larry. Yeah, and those type of guys that you've mentioned, yes, they're great shooters and probably a little bit more of like spot-up shooters, but Steph can do it all. He can spot up, but he can also shoot so well off the dribble, and I think that's what makes him so dangerous, and that's why I don't think it's there's a debate about it. I think he's the greatest shooter we've ever seen, and I don't know if we'll ever see anybody in our lifetime that will be better than Steph Curry. No, because he was a product of a time where a mid-major at Davidson, he came up, he worked his ass off, nobody in North Carolina, Duke. NC State, nobody wanted him. He went to Davidson. The NCAA tournament was his spotlight. He he performed, and he was a tiny-ass guy. And he put in so much. It's just different. Now players, they're already coming in, and they've already got deals. They've got management. They've got agency. It's just different. Like, his work ethic and is what really, I mean, the person we see now is not the person that, you know, we saw in college and granted it's been time removed. Right. Um, but I just don't think it's the same generation of players. Um, and just like his attitude and his mindset and just like how he carried himself, like how many, how many like players from Davidson are going to be the greatest shooter of all time, like from a mid major, like when will we see that again? It's really hard to say. I just, you know, he's, there's a reason why every kid wants to be Steph Curry. And, you know, you watch him the other night and just the insanity with which he plays and makes it look easy. And kids see that and they go, I can do that. That's right. Yes, because he can make it look so easy. And there's definitely an aspect of how hard he works. And I get all of that. But you also have to acknowledge that 
he's just been one of those guys that's just been touched by God with oh. an unbelievable talent. And you combine that with his work ethic and that talent that he just has been given by God. I mean, yeah. it's it's amazing. And that's why, again, he's absolutely incredible. Yes. Genetically, think about his lineage, you know. Oh. The Currys are all Dale in the Curry NBA. was a hell of a shooter. Okay. Um, but look at someone like LeBron. God just, God created him a little bit different. And, you know, and he's going to play until Bronny gets into the league, which is, I, I loved that. Um, you know, someone like Tiger Woods and then Tom Brady. You know, Tom Brady, you could argue he was definitely gifted, but you watch the transformation, right? That is um, defying odds. So it's, I think it's a little bit of both, defying some odds and also like genetically just beyond beyond gifted. And uh, closest thing I've seen lately is probably like a couple of those Caitlin Clark threes that, you know, she, um, you know, she's getting a lot of national attention to KD and um, a lot of NBA players kind of throwing some praise at her because look at her game. Looks very similar to someone else, you know? Oh, exactly. I mean, again, she crosses half court and she'll put up a shot from the logo. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And even it doesn't even matter if she's got somebody on her hip guarding her or somebody standing in front of her. I mean, it's absolutely insane. And they make it look so easy. And that's what's so yeah. <laughs> shocking at times and even mind boggling is that it's like a regular jump shot. And I know from my perspective, I obviously have some limitations how far I can go out. But then I even get to a certain point where, I mean, it's almost like a hip shot on some of these shots, but they it's just a flick of the wrist for them. It's absolutely incredible. All right, so let's shift gears quickly here as let's look at some of the teams of the week. And for me, I'm going with Texas Tech. I mean, this was a great week for them with a 10-point win on the road against, at the time, number seven, Baylor. They did that 83-73. to Then they followed that victory up on this past Saturday, on the road once again at number 20, Texas at the time, 61 to 55. And again, this was a situation where against Baylor, they just dominated the second half, scoring 51 points uh, in route to that 10-point win. And Kevin Obinar has just been absolutely fantastic, had 23 points and 13 rebounds. And then also you can't forget about Bryson Williams with 17 points. But also just remember the most impressive part, I think, with all of this is that the Red Raiders won both of these games without their starter and double-figure scorer, Kevin McCuller, who, again, he might even be their best defender. So I'm telling you, this team is for real. Mark Adams is doing an absolutely fantastic job. So that is my team of the week. Okay, so uh, I've got I've got a three-way tie um, for my teams of the week. Okay, it was a loaded week for women's hoops. As it was men's, you could arguably say uh, Florida on the men's side, uh, upsetting Auburn. Uh, that... A lot of people are like, is Mike White on the chopping block? They, they pick up the Auburn one, and they might be in the NCAA, NCAA tournament now. So that shuts people up. And you and I were texting and wondering, what in the hell happened there? How did Auburn not even get a shot off yeah. there against Florida? Absolutely insane. Maybe too many stars. Sometimes I've, I've seen that happen where, you know, there's not one clear Good cut. Point. Yep. Um, but that was, to me, a head-scratcher. It was also in the... Uh, Arizona-Oregon game that Oregon, you know, had a chance and didn't even get a shot up. And I'm like, that's two games in one day where you can't even get a shot up? Like, 
Christ. <laughs> okay, the three-way tie for That's me right. is NC State. NC State on the women's side, just silently, like, just cruising along to the ACC. They were uh, had a nice weekend. They're regular season champs out of the ACC, potentially Final Four contender. How about Texas surging in March? They took down number 15 Oklahoma and number 5 Iowa State. Vic Schaefer in March, don't sleep on it. Um, and then LSU, listen. <sighs> the Florida LSU game was probably one of the best games on Sunday, okay? There was... 14,000 people in the PMAC for Mulkey. There's probably more there on the women's team for the women's games than there are for the men's games. Just oh, like Don sure. Staley's got more fans in, in Columbia. It's not a knock. It's not a knock. It's just how well their teams are playing. So Mulkey has them in the top 10 for the first time since 2013. Look, they were picked to finish eighth in the SEC, and they will probably end up finishing out at second. So what they're doing, I don't think anyone on their roster has won more than 20 games in a season. They've already got that, and they're in the top 10. Exactly. That's right. It's it's crazy what she's been able to do. You saw part of the game. First of all, the rain jacket, the yellow rain jacket, I wasn't sure what kind of jacket. I'm always there for the apparel first. You know that. I'm there. What is Mulkey wearing? And uh, they just gutted it out. And you've got to give them credit. Florida fought like hell. It was such a good game. It was back and forth. And ultimately, you got to give what LSU's done this year. I mean, Mulkey's got to be in the conversation for coach of the year. I mean, granted, she's got a lot of uh, veterans on her team, Rich. Everybody is a super senior on her team. But look, it's her first year, first year there. And they're in their top 10. There's a bunch of talent in the in the top 25, but she's got them in the top 10. So those that's my three-way tie. Um, my player of the week is Anissa Morrow. She's from. She's a six-one post player from DePaul. Rich. Everyone talks about Leah Boston. She tied Sylvia Fowles over the weekend for consecutive double doubles in the SEC, right? Big Sil. But Morrow, she's got twenty-one straight. She's actually the one leading the nation. She's a freshman. She's averaging twenty-one and fourteen a game. So, I Leah's my player of the year. I think we got to start talking at least. We need to know her name is Anissa Morrow. But she's got 21 straight double-doubles. I believe there's only three players in NCAA women's history that have done that. She's only a freshman. Did you know her name? I know that's amazing she's not getting more pub because that is definitely not a name that I'm familiar with, Steffi. Yeah, that's why I wanted to bring her up. She is having an unbelievable season. She should be freshman of the year. And, uh, you know, DePaul doesn't get a lot of national attention, but when you have 21 straight double-doubles, which is better than anyone in the country right now, and you're averaging 21 and 14 as a freshman. Yeah, hello. That's, yeah, that's there's a reason why she's my player of the week. So, A uh, very good selection there with your player of the week. So I'm staying in the SEC with Mr. Jabari Smith from Auburn. This guy, true freshman, just continuing to showcase that his stock is climbing each and every game. And I know there might have been some questions that would he be able to withhold or stand up, I should say, the rigors of a long college basketball season. But it it almost seems that he's just getting better. He's coming off of his career high, 31 points in the win over Vanderbilt. And then he had 28 points in that loss to Florida. But remember, Florida only scored 62 points. And in those two games, he was 11 
of 15 from beyond the arc and just mind-blowing at his size that he has the ability to do that and also became the first Auburn player with 31 points and 60% shooting in an SEC game since 2014, and that was in that Vanderbilt game, averaging 16 points per game right now, almost seven rebounds per game. And again, he's shooting 43% from three-point line. I mean, it's insane what he's been able to do, and there's no question that he's definitely in the running for freshman of the year. And you could even say, could he be somewhat of contention for national player of the year. I don't think he would get that necessarily, but there's no doubt that there's going to be a lot of NBA teams that are going to be looking hard at Jabari Smith in terms of could he be the number one overall pick in this year's NBA draft. So Jabari Smith is my player of the week. There was a play against Florida. He caught it on the wing. He posted, turn around, fade away, swish. I said, that's the number one draft pick right there. I don't care who else you can talk about Ankuro and and what he does, but I'm watching that and I'm like, there is not many guys that have that ability. It, it was effortless, and I'm like, it's it's a wrap for me. It's, <laughs> it's a wrap. That's I saw it. enough. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I've watched I've watched Jabari throughout the year, and you know, there's there's things he does throughout the season in each game, whether it's a flashy dunk, a three, a clutch basket, just or de- defensively, there's always something that impresses you. But that move in particular, I was like, shit, no one can guard that. And that's <laughs> what you you know you you get to the next level when you're doing that. I mean, that's where you you really separate yourself. So I think he's a number one uh, draft pick. My automatic of the week is I want to give love to Gary Blair of Texas A&M. He will be calling his last game from Reed Arena on Thursday. I will be there. Oh, that's um, awesome. I'm excited for that. They play South Carolina. How about that? Um, I'm sure Gary's like, shit, anyone else? <laughs> um, <laughs> but they will. Uh, I think the cool part, Rich, is um, they are going to name Reed Arena. The court is going to be Gary Blair Court. And there's only two other coaches right now that have their own courts, Kay Yao and Pat Summit. So Gary Blair joins some elite company in doing that. And I, you know, he's, he's such a great guy, terrific coach, legendary, Hall of Famer. And, you know, he's hanging it up. It hasn't been the most beautiful season, but he's, his demeanor's never changed. He's always greeted us, always talked to us. You know, he's always still kind. You know, I, I just yeah, always has his candy, always has his candy. We're going to work on I, I'm going to be doing the interview uh, right before the game about his last time taking the court. So I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be probably very emotional. I'll try not to cry. Oh, you think he's going to cry? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's he's not afraid to like let it out. Yeah, he wears his emotions yeah. on his sleeves. Yeah. I do the same thing, though. I'm the same way. <laughs> So anyway, shout out to Gary. Really excited for Thursday. And I know they're going to have a nice crowd in there for him to really honor him. Um, And I'm sure Don will do something special too. So we'll see. I love that. All right. So for my automatic for the week, and not sure you saw that the NCAA basketball committee, it's showcasing the top 16 teams that are going to be aligned for the NCAA tournament. It's very similar to what the college football playoff committee does in terms of their 
college football rankings, and you can see the top four that obviously would make it into the playoffs. So this is the top 16 teams, and so you have it by seeding. And the top four, you have Gonzaga at the overall number one seed. Then you've got Auburn at number two. Arizona at number three and Kansas at number four. And so those align up with the number one seeds in each of the regions. So Gonzaga in the West, Auburn in the Midwest, and in the South, it's Arizona. In the East, it's Kansas. So for my automatic, looking at those top four seeds with, again, Gonzaga as the number one overall seed, but each of those are on that number one line right now in those specific regions. I think that there's going to be some movement and I'm predicting that one of those four will move off of that number one line drops. I think it could be either Auburn or Kansas, especially when you look at some of those schedules that's coming up. Auburn still has Ole Miss at Tennessee at Mississippi state. And then at home against South Carolina and Kansas still has Kansas state at Baylor, then at TCU and back at home against TCU and then followed up with their season finale at home against Texas. So I think Auburn or Kansas could be one of those teams that falls off that number one line. I think the Zags stay number one to finish. Yes, they definitely do. They will stay number one. I don't think the Zags will lose until they would potentially lose in the NCAA tournament. They're just that good. And again, they they finish up with at San Francisco and then at St. Mary's. Now I know St. Mary's can be a, a tough game, but Again, I don't think anybody's going to touch the Zags until potentially they're in the NCAA tournament. All right, that is it for episode 12. And if you haven't already, please follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And let us know your thoughts by rating and reviewing. And as always, thanks for investing your time to listen. This is Automatic.